0: is the business development manager at Edwards Inc. So Jay, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you Tats. I appreciate it. Yeah, so for sure. So we met on Clubhouse and (laughs) that was a fun experience. I know you're a bit of an early adopter. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, Clubhouse, the app of 2021, the app of the year of COVID. Clubhouse just kind of blew up quickly. And I think what it it sparked from was everyone was sitting at home in quarantine and just seeking out communication and interaction with others because everybody had been quarantined so long. So, uh, yeah, I jumped on it early, as, as did you and many others. At the beginning, was very gung ho, participated in a lot of great conversations, got to talk with some pretty high caliber people across the board. But to me, the app kind of fizzled out. It was, it demanded a lot of time. And it seemed like, you know, I had FOMO, fear of missing out because people were. Having such great conversations, I tried to be on there as much as possible, but with work and everything else, you know, I didn't have the time, and I think it's kind of it's fizzled down a lot, especially with other apps picking up that feature for that group chat.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now you're in the industrial contractor, a bit in the coding space, and I know you're an early adopter of many things, including LinkedIn. Tell me how you use that and how it's evolved for you.
1: Yeah, that. Thank you for that question. Big fan of LinkedIn, big advocate of LinkedIn, jumped on LinkedIn probably eight, nine years ago, and it started for me that way. Everybody was saying LinkedIn at the time, particularly, was the recruiter website where people went to find jobs. But spending time, a little bit of time on there, identified that a lot of my target customers, my target clients and relationships I was looking for, they were also present on this app and they were using it. And I said, well, this is an area that their attention is at, so I need to be on it as well. And I found out pretty quickly that the Messenger feature on there was a good way to contact people. I felt like we were getting bombarded with voicemail and email. And sometimes those emails go unanswered because they get lost in the jumble of hundreds of emails a day. And I found that sometimes I could start reaching out to C-suite level people at companies with a LinkedIn message and get like a response in five minutes. And the first couple of times that happened, I was like, is this a fluke? But I I started to use it over and over, and it continued to work for me. So I'm a, I'm a huge advocate and have been a fan ever since.
0: Wonderful. Now, within the industrial contractor and, and coding space, it's still quite underutilized. In certain other industries, maybe more progressive. Why do you think that's the case?
1: I think the FUD factor, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt that people have, a lot of times People in our industry are not technology-driven. A lot of older people in our industry is just like, that's a waste of time. I don't have time to be there to do that. Another fear that I've heard is that I don't want people to know who my network is. I don't want people to see my contacts or who my customers are. And, and you know, I think that's an unjustified fear because if you're doing a really good job with your customer managing your relationships and doing what you should be doing, you shouldn't have to worry about it. It's an incredible tool to network, and it's the fastest-growing platform that's still on the market today. People are joining LinkedIn uh, by leaps and bounds still, so I still think there's a lot of growth there and a lot of opportunity.
0: Mm, you're in the biz uh, dev side of things. Was this always something that you wanted to do, or, or did you sort of fall into sales and biz dev?
1: Yeah, but I tell you, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Tats, do you? <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, for, for me,
1: I, I did. Kind of I did kind of fall into where I'm at. I grew up with a grandfather who was in the construction space. He was a builder and did a little bit of fabrication and shop work. Grew up around it, worked in his shop, worked alongside. That was not what I wanted to be when I grew up. So I went to school for business, for finance, and I chased the career of being a financial planner and a financial advisor. So I did that for a couple of years and absolutely hated it. Nothing against you financial advisors out there. It's a worthy field and a great field, and people can do a lot of good there. But it just wasn't for me. I found myself being a desk jockey, crunching data, crunching numbers. I was a young guy, so they set me behind a desk, and I did more of that than anything. And I'm a face-to-face, belly-to-toe-toe to type of person. That's how I want to do business. So I was itching to get out of there. A good family friend of mine reached out to me, and he said he knew a company that was, was looking for talent to help with uh, their financials of the business. That company just so happened to be an industrial construction firm. So I jumped on board and I helped with procurement. I helped with the controller function at that company. And I did that for about a year and a half. And during that phase, an opportunity came up for a sales role there. And the owner of the company actually came by and he said, hey, you've sold financial products. Can you sell construction? And I looked at him and I said, we're about to find out, aren't we? (laughs) So I quickly transitioned into that role and with, with early success, I was lucky there and, and fell into some success early on. And I was doing dual roles at the time. I was still functioning as the procurement controller and doing sales. And the owner came back to me and he said, hey, you're doing such a good job on the sales front here. This is where I need you. We're going to hire another controller. And the rest is history. So,
0: Yeah, for sure. On the sales front, what, what have you learned over the years? What What has worked for you? Don't be afraid to
1: ask questions. Don't be afraid to look for support and don't be afraid to say, I don't I don't know is one of the most acceptable answers that you can give. I think one of the worst things that people do in our industry, particular in multiple industries is just come up with a answer because they think that's what they're supposed to do. And it might be a snippet of the truth mixed with other ideas or it might be a totally bogus answer, but they're just answering to answer. If you don't know the answer, don't make it up. Say, I'm gonna get back to you. I know someone who is an authority in this space. Let me connect with them. Let me connect you guys. Let's continue this conversation. Because that's going to help everybody out instead of backtracking the conversation and the level of trust that you're going to lose there. It's a big mistake.
0: Yeah, you mentioned something good, the trust. Yeah, for sure. What's interesting is you said you wanted to travel belly to belly and But then you have social media, which means that those two are compatible, right? Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, people ask me all the time, what do you prefer, social selling? Do you prefer the online selling or do you prefer the face-to-face? And I do like face-to-face. I like shaking somebody's hand and doing business with them. But my answer is always both. I think the answer is both. And I think you have to be there on both. Otherwise, you're handicapping or disadvantaging yourself by not by not being there through COVID and the 21st century. Pats, you and I are able to communicate today miles and miles apart. How awesome is that? I used to be the guy who would jump on an airplane really quick and I'd fly out for a meeting. I may not have any other meetings, but I would fly across the country to meet with somebody if there was a good opportunity. And I'll still do that if needed. But through the COVID era, I did a lot of this, connecting over the internet and having meetings and building rapport this way. And I kind of learned that maybe I don't always have to jump on an airplane and fly somewhere to meet with somebody. You can really build good rapport communicating like this. At some point in time, even with you, I'd still love to shake your hand in person when we're able to do so, but you can conduct business this way. And then you're all able to be 10 times as effective. If you're having online meetings like this, you could stack your day with 10, 12 meetings. Whereas if you're getting on an airplane and traveling, you may only have be able to have one or two meetings. So there's advantages to both, but I think the answer is you need to do both.
0: Mm. And now you just touched on something really interesting that I find is what's your criteria? How do you weigh when you get on a plane now versus before? What's kind of like some guideposts or, or guidelines that you kind of set for yourself?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, Pat. I'll try to answer it. <laughs> for me, a lot of times it's gut. I'm going to be honest with you. If I have a customer that, and it's a very big contract that we've been back and forth on, and I can tell he's uneasy about it and that he needs some confidence in our ability to service and and help that account, I want to show them that we're willing to go the extra mile, literally, by getting on an airplane and coming to see him or getting behind the steering wheel and driving three or four hours if need be to sit down and talk to him. I want them to know that their business is important to me. If you're having a dialogue with somebody and everything is just great and the rapport is there, or if you've done previous business with this person and you just know that you guys already connect, they understand and know what they're going to get when dealing with you and dealing with your company, it's probably not necessary to to jump on the plane or jump behind the steering wheel. But I think relationships matter. Relationships matter in, in all businesses, but they really matter in the construction industry. And I feel like I've been blessed to build a career off of good relationships. All things equal, people want to do business with their friends. And all things Mm -hmm. unequal, people still try and do business with their friends. So I like really focusing on those relationships and offering quality, my availability, and just people knowing that I'm going to bend over backwards to do whatever I can to help them. And once you build that, you might not have to make as many trips, but building that rapport early on, sometimes you might have to. So I I don't know if I fully answered your question. I kind of went
0: back and forth there. Hey, it's a, it's a good answer. If it's your gut and you're reading the prospect, then that's important, right? If the face-to-face is going to put it over the top, then that's that's kind of that experience you have over the years helping you guide that. So that's very good. So when you think about trends that you're looking at in the industry, industrial contractor, what sort of things have accelerated or trends that you're really kind of Sort of tracking right
1: now sure i think knowledge is power your network is power and then constant communication with other people in the industry i use the reference a lot of times like you and i we play in the same sandbox we may be in different corners of the sandbox but we're in the same industry we have visibility to what's going on something that is a big time piece in our industry as in many industries right now is the labor pool the labor market just knowing To be able to facilitate projects and work, it takes boots on the ground, being able to actually facilitate the work. The generations, the baby boomer generation is starting to retire. They're starting to phase out, who has been a huge piece of the construction market. The guys who have done, guys and gals who have done a lot of great projects and brought a lot to the table. And there's kind of a little bit of a gap there right now because my generation, the generation before mine, and some of the generations behind me, push people to go to college, go to get a degree. And so a lot of people didn't look at construction as an opportunity. And so because of that, there's less people, the younger generations involved right now. So there's a gap. And as these people start to retire, we've got to figure out a way how we're going to keep moving forward, facilitating work projects and getting it done. And there's a lot of good creative conversation that is out there from automation to recruiting people and just Teaching younger generations and talent about the opportunities in construction. So that's a really interesting conversation. But whether it's the manpower or if it's just coding's world, what are some new ideas? What are some new products and procedures that are a better mousetrap? Because I think we can always continue to learn what a better mousetrap is. The construction industry is no different.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when you're not traveling and not on doing social, do you have any hobbies or things that you pursue? I've got too many hobbies, tabs. <laughs> <laughs> tell me a few. Yeah,
1: I grew up in Eastern North Carolina and that's still where home is for me today. I love the coast. I love to spend time on the water, well, whether that's just boating, fishing or in paddle boarding, enjoying that area. I love sports. I'm a sports junkie, so I'm always keeping tabs on my teams and players and then it's also it's a great thing to do is to spend time with clients at a, at a baseball game, tabs. Let me just tell you. So, I love to Participate and also go and see sports teams, baseball and basketball in particular are my favorites. So
0: wonderful. Well, sports and business have some parallels and the lessons that can be learned. What are some lessons you take out of the sporting world you apply in other areas?
1: I see what you did there. That was a really good spin off of that. So absolutely. And as a you hit the nail on the head. Team approach is is really one of the first things and the biggest things that comes to mind. My team is Behind me and alongside me, 100% of the way, without my team, I can't do anything. And so just learning to work together, to play together, and then leverage the talents of other people. The same thing in the sports. There's different people who play different roles, and the same thing in business. And being a part of a team has been one of the most rewarding things that I have, have done across my career.
0: Wonderful. And then how do you facilitate that teamwork? Communication.
1: Effective communication and consistent communication. We've got all these tools, like we're talking about social media and digital teleconferencing, things like that. They only work if you use them. So, one of the biggest things is the best way to prevent a misunderstanding is to have a good understanding, making sure you effectively communicate and you keep people in the loop because if something goes awry or something goes wrong, but you didn't do a good job of communicating that to the other people who are on your team. That's just as much your fault as theirs. So consistent, clear communication, meeting regularly, whether it be a conference call, a video conference call, or sitting in a room together, I think that's one of the most important things about business is to consistently communicate.
0: Wonderful. And if you could go back in time to your younger self and communicate a simple message, what would that be? Take risk. Don't be
1: afraid to take risk. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there Go and introduce yourself to people. Don't ever sit on the sidelines and think back that, you know, I should have walked up and introduced myself. I should have made a point to call that person. One of the things that the business development role has taught me over the years is people are people and people are just the same as you and I. Most of the fears that I have are fears that other people have, even the people who are sitting at the CEO level of a company. A lot of times, If you start a conversation and you just ask somebody to spend a little time and pour into you and talk to you and mentor you, people will jump at that. And so one of the things that I was taught early, and I'm lucky that I had people to guide me that way, is to find a mentor. Find good mentors that are where you want to be. Find mentors who have done things that you aspire to do. So you don't have to create a new mousetrap. You can just kind of learn from them. So that would probably be the advice to my younger self is to find a couple of mentors where I wanted to be 30 years from where I was when I was younger and make an effort to get to build a relationship with them.
0: Yeah, great advice. Is there anything that I should have asked you but didn't? Well,
1: the coatings industry is something that is where we do share common ground. And I kind of wanted to ask you as well, what are some trends in the coating industry, whether it be roofing or Specialty coatings for steel or anything like that that are kind of on the forefront and growing right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, I won't comment specifically on any specific technology, but I mean, I think the trends that I see particularly are just high performance coatings, right? And also looking at sustainability is a performance metric, right? Material health performance as well. So just rethinking what performance is, rethinking what is possible in terms of alignment of doing the right thing sustainably and performance and just the higher performance thing, because our environment is such that we're seeing a lot more weather, extreme weather, and you have to really rethink what is going to be appropriate in the next bunch of years in terms of what is going to get the job done in terms of performance. So if you're taking specs and things that may have worked in the past, you may need to rethink that and look at what's actually been happening in different applications and see if there is a better solution for it. So I'm big on innovation. I'm big on promoting the best thing that's going to solve our best problems. So I think that's the thing is just to rethink what's possible. I think too many times it's so easy to get into the thing of the routine, right? Where it's like, it's the same thing over and over thinking, that's the only way. And I think there's always change occurring is to just really pay attention and to be curious on what is happening and like what you're doing, trying new things constantly and really challenge your your belief systems around certain things because the market is changing all the time.
1: Absolutely. To your points, a couple of things that just popped in my mind when, when you were saying that The longevity of coatings as there's products that it just blows my mind. You know, there were some coating systems that when I first got into the industry or was exposed to it, that had shorter life cycles. And now those life cycles from newer, innovative products are five and 10x the, the life cycle of those, which is incredible. And there's a lot of companies that I have seen that are just like, we've always done it that way. and They're not opening their mind to new opportunities that can help them offer a better product to their customers. Another thing that is, that is really interesting to me, Tats, and it's something that maybe you and I could have some offline conversation of is the pharmaceutical market, the clean room space. Coatings haven't always played a role there as much, but I've seen some really incredible new technology where for clean spaces that coats can really help. Coatings that have properties that don't allow germs to grow, things like that. And when we're in this COVID era, how air is circulated, how germs and things like that are spread. A coding system with properties like that plays a huge role, not even in the industrial aspect, but a commercial and even a residential. So like you said, there's lots of new innovations and want to learn about all
0: of them. (laughs) Great attitude. Well, Jay, I love your enthusiasm and I appreciate you sharing your insight.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you, Tats. Thank you for your time. Thank you for having me on today. Feel free to if anyone's watching or listening in, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn, uh, J Alex Lewis at LinkedIn, hashtag just a traveling salesman. You can find me or my post from that. And if I can help you or anyone else, send me a direct message and I'll be sure to follow up. Perfect.
0: Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. I also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes, entrepreneurial tips, and more. See you over there.